0: Read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views.
1: Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. A great starting point for North Carolinians looking to identify the chief source of dysfunction in their state's electoral politics in 2024 is the egregious partisan gerrymandering in which lawmakers have engaged. Indeed, under the latest rigged electoral maps enacted by Republican majorities in Raleigh, the victors in almost all elections to Congress and the General Assembly in the state this year will be known as soon as the party primaries conclude next month. The November contest outcomes are foreordained and mostly just for show. And this is obviously no way to run a democracy. Indeed, the situation has grown so absurd that members of Congress, including a group from North Carolina, have started introducing bills that would force states to employ fairer redistricting processes, And earlier this week, I caught up with one such lawmaker, Triangle Area Congresswoman Deborah Ross. And as Ross told me, not only have legislative leaders rigged our elections, they've closed off the map drawing process so that it now occurs almost completely out of the public eye. Well, Congresswoman Deborah Ross, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you back with us. Great to see you, Rob. So you and your fellow North Carolina Democrats, at least some of them, are introducing a bill in Congress that would require states to incorporate public participation in the redistricting process, the redistricting transparency and accountability. Wiley Nickel, Valerie Bouchy involved. Talk to us about this. Let's talk about gerrymandering and redistricting and, and why this bill is part of the answer to this obviously broken process.
0: Well, thank you for asking, Rob. And uh, to be clear, all the North Carolina Democrats are on the bill. We just only had the triangle legislators at a press conference. This bill really gets at the process of redistricting and attacks many of the things that we've seen as abuses in the process here in North Carolina. And of course, Around the country. But the process has gotten worse and worse and less and less transparent in North Carolina. Three things in particular one, being able to comment on the plans both before and after they have been released. So this last time, they only allowed people to comment before they did the redistricting, but not when this. Clear partisan gerrymandering was being put before the General Assembly. I mean, that's just wrong. That's not public comment. Um, the second thing, which North Carolina has an interesting history on is revealing who provided information to the legislature about redistricting. And of course, we know that the NRCC has been involved, but you know, Four years ago, we had this whole revelation that there had been somebody helping with redistricting, and it wasn't until he passed away that that information came to light. And that ended up being pretty important in a court case over redistricting. And then... The final thing, and that's, this is not exhaustive of the bill, but the final Mm -hmm. thing that might be important to your listeners because this is new is it used to be that all materials that legislators had about redistricting would be part of public record after the process was over and that all of that could be used in litigation you know, to challenge redistricting, and the legislature has changed the law to essentially shield their partisan gerrymandering. Those are three huge issues, in addition to the many other things in the bill that involved website availability, language availability, many other important things for accessibility. And so it seemed the perfect time to bring this forward and also to show that, you know, we've had this seven, seven evenly divided congressional delegation, fully representative of the state and the people of this state. And of course, once the state Supreme Court said it was okay to have a partisan gerrymander, um, the legislature just went for it and did it, you know, with no transparency. And so it was another opportunity to share with the public, you know, why they're not really going to have a full choice for their congressional representatives this year.
1: Yeah, in fact, three of your colleagues, Kathy Manning, Wiley Nickel, Jeff Jackson, they have abandoned running for re-election because it's literally impossible for them to win. But North Carolina remains a 50-50, maybe 51-49 state, and yet we had a 7-7 congressional delegation. Now, there's, is there any way it won't be uh, dramatically tilted in favor of Republicans?
0: It's highly unlikely. I mean, I have hope springs eternal. Sure. And um, <laughs> we're all working on voter turnout in all 100 counties, and the legislature's fielding candidates in almost every one of them. We have more statewide races on the ballot than I ever remember with open seats, with open seats. So there's going to be a lot of excitement and voter turnout. So we could have some surprises. But for um, where we sit right now, the likelihood is that it'll be a 10 for Republican-Democrat congressional delegation. And that is too bad. Also, it's bad for influence in North Carolina. Right now, the Republicans have a very slim majority in the House. There's many predictions that the Democrats will take the U.S. House. So to take the U.S. House and then only have four Democrats in office rather than having seven who could be on all of these committees and have influence for North Carolina is just a huge missed opportunity, not just for the voters in the state, but for the state as a whole.
1: Transparency obviously would be a a wonderful addition or add back to our redistricting process. Are there other things you'd like to see happen? Are there other models from other states that you would prefer North Carolina, perhaps even approach the the issue in a completely different way?
0: Well, when I was in the state legislature, we had a bipartisan bill to have an independent redistricting commission. Again, um, it was not anybody trying to gain the system one way or the other. It actually passed the House with Tom Tillis as speaker. (laughs) Um, But it did not get a hearing in the Senate. And so that's another issue, obviously making sure that there's increased access to the ballot, less voter suppression. We've had a a number of bills in what last session was H.R. 1. But this one transparency piece, we think, could potentially make it as a standalone bill.
1: Coming up next, part two of my conversation with Congresswoman Deborah Ross. Stay with us.
0: Read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views.
1: Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. In part one of my recent conversation with North Carolina 2nd District Congresswoman Deborah Ross, we discussed the egregious and secretive gerrymandering that produced our state's current rigged electoral maps and her efforts to push for nationwide redistricting reform. In part two of our chat, we discussed a raft of other current front burner topics in Washington, including the negotiations over immigration reform and aid to Ukraine, the growing threats of violence in our politics, worries about artificial intelligence, and how it can be used to deceive voters, and on a more hopeful note, the possibility that Congress will soon revive an anti-poverty tax credit that helped millions during the pandemic. Let's talk about immigration and the border and uh, its linkage to relief for the for the nation of Ukraine as it fights for its survival. Talk to us about this incredibly complicated issue that seems like maybe we're making some progress and then Donald Trump maybe has sort of big-footed the whole thing. Talk to us about your take on where things stand on, on this debate.
0: Well, there's a package. It's called the Supplemental Security Assistance Package. And um, the Biden administration rolled it out last year. It would provide crucial support for Ukraine at a time when Ukraine has just done extraordinary work, as have our European allies. You know, we've added Finland to NATO. Um, It looks like Sweden may be added. Um, Turkey lifted its objection. Hungary hopefully will be doing the same. And NATO has stepped up with defense money and energy security so that they're less dependent On Russia. And now is the time to be helping Ukraine defend itself, but also hopefully put an end to this war. Of course, there's money for the Middle East, some money for Israel, humanitarian aid for Gaza, which is so deeply needed, humanitarian aid for other parts of the world. And then, of course, border security issues. And there have been negotiations about that. To be clear, um, it would be great if we could have both border security and comprehensive immigration reform. I think the delay for three decades on comprehensive immigration reform is part of the reason why we have a problem at the southern border. I have been to the southern border and plan to go again and have seen and heard what the problems are. We simply do not have the personnel there. We do not have the processing people. We do not have the technology (laughs) that we need. And it appears that the Senate is coming close to a way to deal with the border. They may or may not. Include some of the other immigration suggestions I hear regularly from the Chamber of Commerce, the Farm Bureau, the Dreamers, both the original Dreamers and the documented Dreamers. I hear from the Hotel Association how important it is to have comprehensive immigration reform in addition to border security. This is a package that we need to take care of. Unfortunately, the former president doesn't want to deal with that because he doesn't want Joe Biden to get credit for doing something that he himself never did and he himself exacerbated. I will tip my hat to Senator Tillis for calling that out as wrong also to Senator Romney, and also to Senator McConnell, who knows how important Ukraine aid is and how important it is to resolve these international issues. So we go back today and um, hopefully we'll have some positive things to work on.
1: Talking with Congresswoman Deborah Ross, I want to ask you about another important topic these days. The U.S. Capitol Police released this month a report that found Their compilation of threats to uh, members of Congress, to the safety of our politics and uh, democracy has soared in recent years. Executive Director of the North Carolina State Board of Elections shared that her office, too, has received some threats. Election season's heating up. What can we do about this? What are your thoughts on these threats to democracy and uh, how perhaps we should best respond?
0: Well, I'm heartened that Capitol Police and law enforcement take these issues seriously. I think it's very sad. I'm used to just walking down the street. Um, A lot of people see me walking my dog um, all around Raleigh. And sometimes I take them to some of the parks in other parts of the district. And, you know, it really breaks down that grassroots feel of knowing your member of Congress. You know, I went to the Harris Teeter over the weekend, saw a lot of people, but I have been in restaurants and in the Harris Teeter where people have been. Aggressive and belligerent and followed me. And, um, that never happened before. I think part of it is, um, how our rhetoric outside of politics has changed. I mean, you, you'll see things about how there are more aggressive drivers. Yeah. Um, but I also think part of it is that we don't have enough Places where people share their ideas and know how to do it in a respectful way. We try to have town halls. We've had telephone town halls. I did a senior citizen town hall last week, and actually this issue came up among the seniors. So we need to dial it back. And I think we're at a time where um, anger and frustration are boiling over, not just in our politics, but like I said, on the road, in our families, everywhere. And we need to give each other a little bit more grace.
1: I want to also ask you about artificial intelligence in politics these days. You serve on the House Committee on Science, Space and Technology. It's looked at some of the potential risks for AI. Earlier this month, actually, there was an apparent robocall that used our artificial intelligence to mimic President Biden's voice and discourage voters going to the polls in New Hampshire. Is this an issue you uh, expect to be hearing more about?
0: Oh, there's no question. And then, of course, there are... Um, was the whole uh, Taylor Swift situation this past weekend. So um, if, you know, it follows everyone and it follows ordinary people too. So we need to make sure that we are more vigilant. Um, there's a lot of good work going on in Congress. The president issued an executive order for how um, agencies deal with this, but more work clearly needs to be done. And um, I think you'll expect to see some legislation.
1: Well, coming to the end of our time with Congresswoman Deborah Ross, I've got maybe a little bit more of a positive note to end things on, a hopeful piece of legislation. It looks like maybe we could be, still be making some headway on the expanded child tax credit that was so vital in cutting back on poverty during the pandemic. It was allowed to expire, but it seems like maybe there's some energy for reviving the child tax credit.
0: I could not be happier. Of course, it's not as robust as what we had during the pandemic, um, but our families um, are having increased housing costs, increased child care costs, it would make such a difference for our working families. And so I am firmly in favor of it. Just to let you know as well, in that package, there is the affordable housing tax credit, which would make an enormous difference in being able to build more affordable housing, especially now with our high interest rates and some of our supply chain issues. I'm hopeful that this package will come Forward, um, been hearing some positive things, but you know, only time will tell.
1: And uh, but in general, you'll be in Washington a lot this year. I take it. It's I know you're oh, yes. of a candidate for re-election, but you'll all be in session quite a bit in the coming weeks and months. Yeah,
0: they've already taken back some days at the end of February, and um, I, you know, unless we extend the budget again, I think the end of March and April will be very, very busy busy times because that's when the debt limit deal in April could come to fruition. And so I think the next couple months are going to be extremely busy on top of, you know, campaign season. So, but um, we need to do this work for the American public. They expect us to do our jobs and um, I'm ready to go.
1: We really appreciate all the work you do for the people of America, but also for your district here in the Triangle. Please keep up the good work, stay safe, take care. And I'm sure we'll talk again later this spring. Take care, Rob. Well, that's it for this edition of News and Views. Remember, you can check us out online and subscribe for free to some of our state's best news coverage and political commentary at ncnewsline.com. You can also listen to all of our interviews and commentaries wherever you get your podcasts. For producer Clayton Henkel, this is Rob Schofield. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week.
0: You've been listening to News and Views, a weekly look at state news events and public policy debates produced by North Carolina Newsline. Visit them online at ncnewsline.com.